Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Know Your Gear QA number 66 uh, on a Saturday, no doubt. A little different than the Friday. How's everybody doing? I'll give a few seconds for everybody to kind of log in and see what's going on. Um, I saw you guys chatting amongst yourself. I got Ralph with me. Everybody kind of remembers Ralph. Ralph's been in a couple of videos. Uh, he's done a couple of live QAs. He's my best friend, and uh, he knows a heck of a lot about gear and all gear things related. Um, yeah, don't <laughs> let him fool you. Uh, don't let him fool you. Um, I think his plan is to never come across that way. So the questions come, come my way more. Yeah. You just you know, space out a little bit, you know, look stupid. Been working on that for years. It's a strategy. It's just <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, yeah. So a Saturday, it's been a while since we've done a Saturday QA. I thought it'd be fun this week to do it. Uh, so I thought I, I actually emailed Ralph and said, Hey, you want to come on, on, on a Saturday and we'll, I'll skip the Friday one and we'll do Saturday. And he was cool with it. So I'm glad you guys could join us. I'm sure some of you guys were sad it wasn't yesterday. I'm sure some of you guys are happy it's Saturday. So uh, some exciting stuff this week. A lot of stuff in the guitar news going on. Plus, I'm sure you guys got some cool questions. Um, the uh, Lee Jarrett says, ever heard of big knob pedals? Uh, no, but I got a suspicion that Felix is a fan. There's big knob pedals. Uh, I've never heard of them. There I've was, heard the name. Well, there was a company called Nose Pedals. Remember Nose Pedals? I remember Nose. And uh, they had big knobs. Yeah, I remember that. And But all their pedals looked like Muppets. Remember? Like actual Muppets? or Well, like maybe if you painted Muppets on oh. a pedal. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, if you guys... Uh, so, I'll check out Big Knob Pedals, uh, Lee, Lee Jarrett. Uh, you can check out Nose Pedals, N-O-S-E. Yeah. Uh, and um, like, you know, nose and uh, they are, like I said, you'll see what I'm talking about. As soon as you see them, they look like, they look like little Muppets. Um, let's see. Who's got a question for Ralph? Ah, here it is from yeah. Mike Castle. Hi, did Ralph find the SG he was looking for? And does he like Dane Electro guitars? Two-part question, go. Two-part question. Did I ever find the SG? No. He did not. Um, Phil's... A little more courageous than I am the fact that he'll actually order something online. I will not order a guitar online. I can't. I can't do it. Yeah. Do you even own a guitar that you bought online? I know. No. I. I, I can't do it. There's too many horror stories, and plus this, the problem of not liking it. You know, if, if I'm going to drop a grand on a guitar worth fifteen hundred dollars, I better like it. I don't want to. I'm not going to risk fifteen hundred dollars on something I might not like. So. Yeah, you know, I never knew that. I never thought about it just just now that he he has never bought a guitar online. Nope. Um, you and also you, you have to be prepared to send them back. I had to send two guitars back in the last thirty days that I ordered yeah. online because they were just weren't where what I hoped they would be. And both the guitars that I'm talking about were used, so there was a little bit of money to be eaten. You know what I mean? I was just telling him yeah. I lost seventy five, which what I was happy. That's all it was, but I lost seventy five dollars on a guitar I bought last week because, you know. Um, it worked out to where, you know, I sent the guitar back. They paid the return shipping, but I'm out the shipping to me. So, you know, it's basically I paid $75 to try a guitar. Yeah. And and plus the time and the hassle to rebox it, take it back down, have it shipped. I mean, out of the whole scheme, 75 bucks ain't bad, but I can't physically just do that. And like, yeah, I mean, I look online. Then I realize I'm like, oh, it's $1,500. It's two grand. Because I'm still looking for modulus bass. Yeah. <laughs> for for some reason, I'm, I got it stuck in my head. I need a six-ring modulus. 
but I can't buy it online. So, no, I have not. Um, I go by all the different guitar stores uh, trying to find something I like. Uh, before I came over today, I went by Sam Ash. I went by Guitar Center. Nothing there. Uh, so that answers that question. That part, do I like the electric guitars? Yes. Yes, I do. I th I, for the price, I think they're really nice guitars. Yeah, I think you really like my red one, right? Isn't that the one you like the most? Which one's like the most out of the ones? Yeah, now see? Now he knows. It's hard to do, right? <laughs> it's hard to point. Everybody makes fun of me for trying to do it behind your head. Dude, but it's because yeah. it's flipped image. Yeah, it's a cool guitar. It plays nice. It sounds cool. It's got a really cool vibe to it. Yeah, it's my favorite, Dan Electro. Dan Electro. I got in trouble for that yesterday. Dan Electro. So thanks, Mike. That's a good question. We all learned something, including <laughs> me. Um, so, uh, all right. Next question uh, is going to be, what bass pedals are a must-have? Right now, there's like 300 guitar players sighing. Yeah. A bass question. To me, I'm going to answer it, and then I'll let Ralph take a whack at it because it's going to be super fast and easy. For me, the only bass pedal that's a must-have for me personally is a compression pedal. I have to have one. I can't live without it. That's about it. So if it's built in the in the amp, I don't even need the pedal, but I need compression because uh, I do slap, you know, and when you're slapping yeah. too. That's about it. Compression pedal. Yeah, it definitely keeps things under control. Um, so there you go. Any other pedal after that, it's not a must-have for me for bass. This is a really hard question. I don't know the answer. The question is by Kuye Glenn Q. Yeah, something. <laughs> Scale length is measured from what part of the compensated bridge? Um, I usually go off because it's different. You know what? Uh, but look at it from an acoustic guitar point of view. I'll use it from the low E string. You know what I mean? It's a, there's, it might be an official answer. Somebody Google it. Yeah, you know, and I probably should know the answer. I just, you know what it is over time. There's just different guitars. I measure from different points because you just get used to it. But a lot of times I can tell you this, if this helps, I really want to know when I candle a guitar, what the low E is measured at. That's the first thing I pay attention to for me personally. Okay. Let's do another good question. Guys, you guys got a lot of them already. Hey, what's the latest with Digitech? Uh, the Tone King was just talking about this last night on his channel. Uh, Digitech, all of DoD and Digitech were let go of. I don't think you probably knew, did you? I think I heard that, yeah. yeah. I, wait, didn't you say that too? I think in one of your your uh, videos. I might have. Like, Yeah. Um, I know, I read it somewhere too, so I'm, I, I thought you said it, but I could have read it somewhere else too. Yeah, it's... You know, Digitech, it's reorganized. You know what the thing is for me is this happens so much lately that, you know, companies are just, you know, like kind of like with the Heritage guys when they let go of 12 employees or 10 employees and then four left. I think it was they let go of 10 and then four left. So that's 14 out of the 16 employees. It keeps happening so much in this industry. And I don't, and I don't think that, I think it's because of the internet and the new world where we get to hear this information. It seems like it's happening now, but I, I think it's always happen because I think if you work in an industry just like uh, you know computers or fashion the music industry needs to ever evolve and I think a lot of times companies like to reboot yeah and we get the information so much faster so much sooner now we don't have to wait to see that little uh, small article in a magazine somewhere and Lee Hawkins wants to have uh, wants us to have a beer on him I will do that yep I uh, know Ralph doesn't drink beer but 
I'll give him a shot yeah. of a uh, of whiskey. He does whiskey. Yeah. So I'm hardcore. Yeah. And then uh, Craig's got a question. Thoughts on Demarjo area area fifty eight pickups? Uh, if not, have any suggestions for a pro strat blues rock oriented? Uh, know of any good SC single coil size blues humbuckers? Oh, so yeah, I love the Area 58s. So you're, I I can recommend them to you. So that's my thoughts on them. I don't know if Ralph's ever even tried them. No, I was more of a Seymour Duncan guy. Yeah, so Area 58s are great. Um, and uh, and then if you want a single coil size humbucker to go with those pickups. Uh, the chopper is good. I, pretty much all of the the the, the uh, single coil size humbuckers that Dimaggio has will match up with that pickup. The 58's great. The Area 58. Um, the chopper is a good one. I, I like that one a lot. There's probably and if you guys have suggestions too, put them in there too. But all the ones I've tried, I've, there's there's things I like about all of them. Quicksilver's got a good question. Okay, is it okay to leave guitars out and about at all times? Do guitars need to always stay in their case? Is this a myth? Will the neck warp? Intonation go out of whack. We get this question a lot at the store. Always. Yeah. All right. Uh, the answer it. is yes. Um, look behind us. These are out and about. Um, I don't keep anything in a case. Neither do I. Um, I'm less likely to play it in a case. I know you'll store a guitar in the case and rotate it back out after a while. But on that, it's up on the wall. No problem with intonations. No problem with the necks. Yes. I I come from the the logic of you know you don't abuse your guitars but I use them if I can't use them then I'm not really interested in them I think certain guitars may be more delicate than others especially acoustics you know acoustics become a different thing and depending on the type of acoustic whether it's a Martin or it's some kind of laminate you know kind of Fender acoustic um, but me personally if I I, I want to use them, so I want them out. I want to keep them. In fact, just just for you guys for the sh for the show, I cleaned up in here. But before I think Ralph came and <laughs> came over, there was like ten guitars just leaning up against all these amps as I was going through them. Um, I That's don't, what I it normally looks like when I come over too. Yeah, there's the guitars laying I, out. I do not recommend you leaning your guitars against things at, by any means, but uh, but I do it all the time, and yeah. I've never had an issue. So they're meant to be played. Yeah, they're meant to be played. Uh, you know, so, uh, Bubba's got a question. He says, Hey guys, was looking for an EHX. Uh, so electro harmonics pitchfork pedal. Uh, would this be a good substitute for the detuning my guitar, uh, half step or full step down? Uh, yeah, I just sold my pitchfork. Um, and I'll be honest with you. I like the pitchfork better than the Digitech offering of their pedal, the detune. And, uh, I only got rid uh, you know what? So yes, the answer to your question is I totally love the pitchfork. I think it's a good way to go. Only reason I got rid of mine is because I did a tone print for TC Electronics and they gave me um, you know, the, the um the quintessence. Uh so you know, two things. One, I got a free quintessence pedal. So why have you know this pedal that I paid for? Well, not really free. Well, you yeah, for yeah, it. I worked for it, yeah. but I mean, they still they gave it to me. And secondly, uh, you know, when you go on uh, TC Electronics artist page, there's my ugly mug sitting there <laughs> holding it. So I thought I better, you know, I, I thought I'd better use it. So I got rid of the pitchfork. So yes, I like the pitchfork. Uh, you're totally totally good good to go with that. Um, and there's certain there's a couple things I like about the pitchfork over the quintessence and vice versa. The only thing I like about the quintessence over the pitchfork is the true bypass function, you know, mm -hmm. where the pitchfork has a little bit of coloring. And I think um, 
the uh, the quint the uh, pitchfork is a little less. When I say colored change, you know, changing the tone, uh, it, it it colors the tone a little less than the Digitech one. So that's how I kind of look at it, if that helps out at all. And uh, no, yeah. So I think you're looking at the right right pedal. <laughs> what is Ralph's favorite Megadeth solo? Oh, Holy Wars, Punishment, Do, and Hangar 18. Pretty much anything off that album. Yeah. That was the, that thing that was their best album right there. Rest in peace. You know, I still remember the days of seeing Megadeth on MTV and watching Marty Friedman and Dave Mustaine, like, you know, guitar battle back and forth yeah. in those videos <laughs> and just being amazed with it. Uh, they, they were the first, you know, cause I don't remember seeing videos of Iron Maiden. You know what I mean? Not, you know what I mean? Not on MTV. Not on MTV, not a wired away that stuff, you know? <laughs> and, 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 and sadly enough, Iron Maiden, you know, they, they, their videos were a little more campy. You know what I mean? Like Megas was so kind of evil and succinct and cool. But um, but they were my first, like when I was watching guitar players, like two amazing guitar players. Because I was really used to the, um, let's say like Aerosmith, the one guitar player is the rhythm guy. And then, you know, like Joe Perry is the solo guy, you know, kind of that, yeah. always that logic. There was always the the guy who shined and the guy who didn't. Uh, the Guns N' Roses, right? Yeah. You know, like Slash solo, the other guy rhythmed. And, um, and he doesn't even get a name. Izzy Stradlin. I'm sorry. I don't mean no, <laughs> the dude no on the other side to say, well, you know sorry, Izzy Stradlin. <laughs> but the point, the point is it was two guys that went, yeah. you know, and I think that the reason that was a big deal for me was before, you know, it, YouTube, <laughs> before the world of seeing things as fast as things came out, you would listen to an album and it just never occurred to me that Dave Mustaine was playing. Yeah, you had to listen now. Yeah. And after a while, you go, all right, this is Marty, this is Dave. Yeah, I thought Dave was singing and he held a guitar, yeah. kind of like, you know, a country singer, right? It's like <laughs> a prop. And it just it just made sense, right? Marty Freeman's probably soloing. He's blistering it up. Dave Mustaine's got the prop. He sings. Yeah, he's like, I'm the dude up in the front. Yeah. And then you're like, wow, this Dave Mustaine guy's, you know, he sings yeah. and he's got the chops. And the solos back and forth were just, like said, you were just impressed. And I remember even, you know, thinking, I wonder if he, he's faking it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I mean, no disrespect to anybody. Yeah. Just, I remember thinking like, maybe, you know, like, you know, uh, Marty Freeman throw a bone, like, and this... And this lick, pretend you're playing it, and then I'll play. <laughs> That'll be great for the video. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, so gosh, just took me back. Sorry, guys, I just had a went back in time moment. Uh, yeah, Ice Pick Nineteen says PRS strap buttons suck. Any suggestions? Well, PRS strap buttons are basically string retainers for basses. Did you know that? Yeah, you ever see those giant discs string retainers like on a P bass? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's what I think. I'm pretty sure that's what PRS is getting their uh, strap buttons and using those and just not cutting the, the grooves in them. Um, here's the good news about PRS strap buttons, if you don't know, is that the screws in them are the exact size that you need to go into either Dunlop or Schaller strap locks. So if you go and buy yourself a set of Dunlop or Schaller strap locks, uh, just reuse the PRS uh, screw because it's actually longer. It's two inches uh, long. It's longer than the replacement screws. And the reason that's a big deal is the head of the screw is small enough to fit through the, the, the furl, the hole of the locking mechanism. Did you know that? No. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. So, uh, yes. Uh, so if you don't like the, uh, the, uh, PR strap buttons, just go ahead and get Schaller's or Dunlop's your preference and, uh, reuse that screw and then you're good. So 
Let's see. No, Benjamin, I gained five pounds. Did he ask you if you lost some weight? No, no. It's like, yeah, this is, and we live in Arizona where the summer is the winter. So you stay inside. <laughs> this is it was like, you thin down for the the summer. And you're like, not in Arizona. In Arizona, it's backwards. Backwards. You don't go outside for three months. Um, in fact, I was just telling somebody last night, you know, at night it's 105. You know what I mean? So you're like, and you'll go to a restaurant. This is true. You'll go to a restaurant. It'll be nine o'clock at night. It's 105, 107 outside. And they'll be like, you want to get the patio or inside? And you're like, we're good inside. Yeah. Go in the patio. Well, it's worse is like when you when you eat, then you walk outside and it's still 103 out. And like, it's 1030. It's 1030 How is this at night. possible? Uh, uh, so, oh, here's a good one. David wants to know, uh, either one, we'll both give a, uh, an idea. Should a new bass player learn on a five-string bass? No. So tell me logic, because I'm curious. I think uh, I think four is enough for the bass player. I mean, every, everything's built around those four. Uh, and, and I've seen guys who've played for a while get lost on that fifth string. Have it either be a, the low B where you put a high C on it, they can get lost. So I think four. I, I unfortunately... Uh, agree now, <laughs> but that the only reason I agree with Ralph about you shouldn't is because I used to say it doesn't matter. And uh, I think every single person I've ever sold a five string bass to saying, Hey, it doesn't matter, came back eventually and said, I need to get a four, I yeah. can't do this. So, um, I'm not saying you, you can't be done, I'm sure. Uh, to me, when I look at a four string to five string, uh, it's like doesn't do any mind tricks to me at no. all. To me, it's just like, okay, yeah, this is the string above where I want to be in case I want it. Um, but I just think with the tabs, the way the tabs are, though, it's always always for a four string. They got that extra fifth string. It throws them off. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the argument that technically, just like a guitar player, could you learn on a seven string just as easy as a six? Absolutely. There's no hindrance. However, statistically, I would bet that the majority of people who do that are going to come back unhappy. So I would stay away from it unless, you know, here's the deal. Unless of course you're getting that smoking deal. Yeah. You know, unless there's a $70 five string base out there that just, you know, you're just going to have to do. But uh, then again, I say that and I'm walking down that same deadly road that I walked around like, Hey, try it. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I said, it, it, it really has come back to haunt me. It's like, it's like giving a big, a beginner guitar player, a seven string. Yeah. It's, for someone that's been playing, they can see it, they can make the adjustment, but for someone brand new, they're like, wait a minute, it's only supposed to have six strings. Why does why is there an extra string here? This is a question. Bob's got a question that I can't answer, so I'm gonna explain why I can't answer it. And it's uh, what is the string height that you use on an acoustic guitar? And the reason why I can't answer it is because acoustic guitars get a what I call the 12th fret hump. Yes. Some people think it's a sink, but it's actually a hump. In other words, where the body and the neck meet, uh, eventually the the woods dry at different rates, and you get a little lift. The fretboard lifts a little bit. And when you lower the action on acoustic, a lot of acoustics get a lot of dead notes around that area. And I say 12th fret, and they'll go, no, it's on my 14th or it's, it's on like my 10th. Yeah, yeah, it's but about it's, that it's range. That, it's that range. Um, so your acoustic somehow it needs sometimes be crown leveled because of that. But more importantly, it makes it hard to just say, set the action so easy. Um, so I, I can tell you what I ideally would like an acoustic. I'd like it at two millimeters off the top of the fret to the bottom of the low E string is what I'd like to see on my acoustic. Um, assuming there's no issue in that area. 
a lot of times, unless you correct that issue, you have to run your action a little higher. You just do. So yeah, and when you slide it, you can definitely see that hump right there. Yeah. In fact, here's the best thing about the hump. Uh, when you sight it, it looks like a sink, right? It looks like the no the neck dipped down, but it really it's lifted up. It, so, and we could argue all day. Somebody's probably going to put in the comments. No, it's an actual this, but in, it doesn't matter what, what you describe. Yeah. We're all, it's the same issue. If you have an acoustic, go look. Yeah. If not, next time you're at a guitar shop, look at some of the acoustics. You'll see them you know, starting to develop that hump. Yep. It's just common. Uh, the next question comes from Marcelo. Marcelo? Yeah, Marcelo. Uh, it says, have you tried to put a PRS bridge into a Mexican-made Strat? They seem to have the same string and screw spacing. I have not. I've never tried it. Hmm. Um, but mostly because I don't know what the benefit would be. Uh, here's why. First, the actual Paul Reed Smith bridge is expensive. I haven't been on their website in a while, but I'm going to guess. When I did the Tyler Larson <laughs> video, um, you ever heard the term sticker shock? So what happened was I just, you know, I did the Tyler Larson video. I asked Paul Reed Smith guitars. I said, hey, would you sponsor this thing? Because it's for Tyler Larson. You know, I mean, I, I figured they'd want to, you know, if you guys know who you know, Music is Win is, he's got 400,000 subscribers and he's really into PRS. So I can't imagine why they wouldn't want to promote their brand, you know, with him. So I got them to, to give me the parts for his guitar. Um, but when I was going on there, buying the parts, you know, clicking the things, the prices are crazy. So that bridge, I think is $250, $300. And then, so there's an SE bridge that's less expensive, but I don't know what specifically about the SE bridge in my mind is better than the Fender bridge. So I think that's why I'm, I'm, your question is, uh, why I've never tried it. Just nothing has, has sparked me to, to, to do it. So maybe it's curious, you know what, but on the terms of just interacting, you know, like, could they, I'd have to look at the spacing. I'm, I'm assuming they're pretty close. So, all right. Uh, quick one. Invincible want to know if we were trying to the KHDK pedals. I have not. No. Uh, the ghoul screamer. That's the Kirk Hammett pedal, right? Yeah. And have you ever got a guy seen Metallica live? Um, I have. Have you ever seen Metallica live? No. I got to... Um, that was more of a Megadeth fan. <laughs> yeah. I got to um, go see Metallica live in the best way ever. I got to go to a dress rehearsal. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I, um, um, a buddy of mine... <laughs> my, uh, I'll just tell the story because it's funny. A buddy of mine uh, was the Ampeg rep. Yep. And he was in town and Metallica was kicking off their tour here. And the night before the show, they had the arena to practice all night. They were actually practicing. Yeah, they were at the um, University of Phoenix Arena. Yep. And so he calls me up and he says, hey, you want to go see Metallica at dress rehearsal? So they did the whole show, but there was probably maybe 300 people in the 26,000 people arena. And I said, yeah, how do we do that? And he goes, he goes, hey, do you have an Ampeg blah, blah, blah amp? That was SVT2. And I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, we're going to bring it to... Robert Trujillo. And uh, he, we got it. And when he showed up, he just basically told them that Robert Trujillo needed this replacement amp and we brought it in. Right. And he had talked to him somehow it got, it doesn't matter how he got in, but we got in. So yeah, we got to see him. So I got to see him live that night. Um, and the, the thing I always love to tell about that story is that um, the coolest guy there that night, well, the happiest guy there was Trujillo. Like that guy was just a great guy. He was like happy to be there. But the nicest guy was Lars. In fact, 
somebody in the group, because the people were just people like me that got in there for some reason. And then there was a couple fans, part of their fan club. Some kid, you know, was talking. And out of nowhere, Lars, because they were waiting for something to queue up, like some pyrotechnics or something. And Lars out of nowhere is like, hey, kid, is your name so-and-so? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, hey, thanks for that email. And then they started talking. Huh. And it was just, I don't know, he's a cool dude. So, I don't know. So, maybe that story's boring, but it's cool to me. Uh, yes, and Nathan's like, SVT2 Pro is like 90 pounds. Yeah, but uh, Trujillo doesn't have to carry them. Yeah, but we had it in stock. Yeah, we had it. That's how we got a phone call from Scott Ian. That's that's how we got the, the Scott Ian, and that's also how, remember when Eddie Van Halen needed yeah. strings? Yeah, we got that call from, uh, was it the manager? Yeah, the manager. Eddie Van Halen's manager called us one day because they needed uh, Eddie Van Halen strings, and we're the only one that had them. 10 gauge. Yep, 10 gauge. Uh, so, all right, uh, what do we got for questions? There is 666 of us. That's creepy, right? Hanging out. Is that a thing? Okay. Uh, Roberto wants to know, Roberto Reyes wants to know, how do I know if my Walnut Gibson SG has original pickups? Uh, you're going to have to flip, take the strings off, flip the pickups and look at them. And then you can either call Gibson or look up online to see that year, what model pickups they used in that model. But that's the only way to do it. I mean, that's the way we do it. Everybody does it that way. We always... I have looked under a billion pickups, I think, at this point <laughs> in my life. Uh, Nick, I think... I think if there's something I can tell you, I've consistently done a lot my entire life is looked at neck pockets, inside inside compartment, I uh, the cavity compartments, and underneath pickups. So. You just it's just part of verifying stuff. And a couple of people will ask, yes, that he did use uh, does use tens. Yeah, he does nines and tens. Yeah, he does nines and tens. But what? Yeah. So the quite yeah, he Ian says Eddie uses tens. I got the impression. Well, go, so you know. Uh, what we got from it was he uses nine to 46s, nine to 42s and 10 to 46s. They, and it's, they, he has his own string, you know, the yeah. Eddie Van Halen string and he wanted his strings. What happened was they messed up and they were supposed to ship him two boxes of strings. I think it was 10 boxes of strings. Yeah. Something like that. 10 cases of strings, 10 cases. Some, and he only 10, got 10 boxes. Yeah. And he needed more strings. Um, and they needed to make sure we had them and we had tens. So, um, maybe for drop tuning or something. Yeah. I think it was when he was, I, I don't know. Tune down half step. Um, you know, I'll just tell you, this is the horrible part of that story. There's a horrible part of the story. It's not what you think. The horrible part of the story was uh, they said, um, yeah, we want the strings. Can somebody bring them down to the, the arena? And whoever brings them can see the show for free. And no one would volunteer to go. I couldn't get anybody. Remember? No, no. I, I volunteered to go. Yeah, but you didn't. No, because they called back and he said, never mind, because I don't think we had enough. Oh, okay. That was, I, I think right. we had like eight or nine packages of the tens. Yeah. And we told them that. That's like, why. And they're like, and they end up calling back a little later and they're like, oh, never mind. We're good. That's like, right. Yeah. Cause like, that, I was like, I'm like, I was going to go see it for free. Perfect. That is, that was the weird part. The weird part was we stocked mostly nine to 42s because that's what he uses in nine to 46s. Yeah. And then they called us asking for the 10 to 46s, which we only had a few eight packs yep. and they need more packs. And we were like, are you sure 10 to four? Cause we kept asking him, are you sure? Cause he doesn't yeah. he use nine to 42 and nine to 46. Like, no, no, the tens, the tens. Yeah. So, you know, but who knows what you need them for? Yeah. I tried to deliver an amp that's Scotty in California. That didn't work out either. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Key man says, thanks for being awesome. I think he probably means you, but if he means both of us, I thank you for being awesome. Thank you for being awesome. Key man. 
Uh, Alazar says, not to be negative. Ah, uh, it always starts bad, but okay, let's go. Uh, but I'd like to ask, ever seen any racism in the guitar industry? Cheers, guys. Uh, the answer is easily yes. And also uh, uh, bigotry, right? I mean, it, yeah, of course. It's in every industry. It's it's bad. Now, uh, me, not so much. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, all the way around. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, ne it's, yeah, so I guess that wasn't negative because it kind of bummed us out. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah of course i will tell you this and maybe R ralph will uh, tell you this as well in the shop what i would tell you was there's more negativity towards in our industry towards women than minorities yes yeah dudes are just weird about women how they yeah the, the, the whole sexism you know, and which i think we did yeah. a really good job of not falling into those traps yes I've been in, I've been in stores before where you know, uh, a woman's came in, come in and she's like I want to buy a guitar, and how the person starts speaking to them completely changes. They automatically assume they don't know anything. Well, you know, uh, I'm telling. So you guys, you're gonna eavesdrop now. <laughs> I'm gonna tell Ralph a story that happened this week. You remember Kevin? Kevin used to come to the store. He he used to work at Music Around. Yes. Okay. So and for you guys, know Kevin. Kevin was telling me a story this week and he was said he was talking about when he returned something to the guitar center and they were going through it. They were very like he bought a guitar and he returned it like two hours later and they were pulling out the pickups and verifying that he didn't change anything and do anything to it. And he's telling me the story and he's explaining it to me like, you know how they do that? And I was like, no, they've never done that. I've never heard of that before. And so the reason why I'm sharing the story now with Ralph is because, you know, Kevin's black, right? So I actually told him, I said, no, I said that's weird, but I'm telling you, I've never heard of them like doing that. I, you know, so, so yeah, I'm gonna say that there's probably a little bit of racism in, out there. There's still, there's, it's always gonna be that way. We just can't keep fighting the cause, I guess, yeah. so to speak. So, okay, so we're gonna find something that'll change the change the way it goes. Okay, so here's James Shackelford, and he says, the Hard Rock, uh, North Carolina, New York, New York, New York City. City uh auction hey prince guitar and other items what are your thoughts on musician stuff being auctioned uh you know that's just that's what happens uh you know what i think personally i think when you pass on uh you don't care anymore so yeah yeah i mean uh i think it's cool because it's probably going to go to someone that it's really going to appreciate it yeah i mean uh if they're going to auction off whoever has it now yeah. i don't think cares enough to have it yeah uh, it, it's just, you know, when I die, you know, I, I expect my family to sell all this stuff. In fact, I can tell you right now, you know how you guys are going to know I died? It'll probably be a week or two, you and they see no videos. And then all of a sudden on my reverb site, all this stuff will be listed. <laughs> so you'll be like, oh, he must have died because, you know, I expect my family to just go ahead and ditch yeah. all this stuff. Um, anything they want, they can keep. So I, I, I really believe that. So, you know, when I pass away, um, I've donated my body to science. So when I pass away... Uh, they just come and get you and then, uh, you know, they take care of everything. And then I guess a couple weeks later, a month later, they mail your ashes back to your family and like, there you go. Because I'm we'll of the adage. We'll cremate some of the guitars and yeah. we'll just mix it in. No, you know, what's funny was, uh, what started that was, um, one, a friend did that and I thought it was an honorable thing to do. 
Um, second thing is, and I'm also a donor, right? You know, just get my okay. organs away, whatever, just do whatever. But the other thing is, uh, one night, jokingly, I told my wife, when I die, do you want to know what guitar I want buried with me? And she lovingly, but honestly said, why well, ain't sticking any guitars with you? You're dead. <laughs> she goes, I'm going to sell them. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you got to love her honesty, right? <laughs> Ralph's known her long, long time. You could, if you know her, yeah. you know, she's pretty direct yeah. and honest uh, person for sure. And I thought to myself, well, then at that point, then just sell it all and I'll just donate my body to science because there you go. So, yeah. So back to the prince. Um, you know, I don't think he knows or cares. Yeah. yeah. So good. Good. Hopefully some money went to, you know what I hope? I, I like it when they do auctions and at least give some money to the charity. Yeah. Go into a cause. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not all of it, but, you know, so, you know, some of it. do, do something. Yeah. Get, here's why. I find that even if I used to have this negative attitude about that stuff, like when a company would like, let's say raise a million dollars and they give 200 to charity and then the rest went to the seller and I go, oh man, they should give more to charity. But I've learned something over the years too. Just mentioning the charity got some, it helps the charity because it, it's advertising for the charity helps too. So, so there you go. Uh, oh no. So in, Indrid Cold says, Phil, Dynamo Electric Audio are no longer making the self-esteem booster right after your video gave them a bump in popularity. Thoughts? Um, Whoops. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm curious why you would think. Um, I, I tell you this, uh, somewhere in there, out there in YouTube land, there's a Lawrence Petros, and I bet you he would love to build you a self-esteem booster pedal. Uh, right, <laughs> right, Lawrence, some, right, somebody, here's what I know. If they don't want to make it, I understand. Well, then it's them. Somebody else makes something else like it. It's, it's, you know, that's the thing about the pedal market. You know, it's not an easy thing to, 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 to duplicate and change. That's why almost all pedals are copies. So if they're not making any more, that sucks, but, uh, definitely think then somebody else should do it. Uh, so, and on that note, thoughts, I don't know anything. I haven't talked to the guy, so I don't know. But uh, what I notice a lot in the pedal industry is the pedal builders quit a lot. You know what I mean? They, they, I think what causes a little, a lot of pedal companies to quit is not the, oh my goodness, there's everybody sells pedals. It's the, uh, I think it's once they sell a decent, their first time they sell a decent amount of pedals and then they realize that's not a whole lot of money. And they got to do like 10 times that to get anywhere. And then they start thinking, oh my goodness, this is a lot of work. Yeah, it's the, the cost and the effort that they're going into the returns. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that sucks. I didn't know that. But thanks for sharing that because, you know, that'll help. I'll take the link off the video. So maybe I'll put it on. I'll put an update and let everybody know that it's a pedal you can't have. And I'll just, uh, you know, uh, here's the deal. I'll be happy to do a video of a booster that I think is like that booster. A good alternative. Yeah, I have like 22 boost pedals. I can go through them all. There's, there's, you know, uh, <laughs> um, I like that pedal for the reasons you guys saw in the video. It's cool. It's got some cool features. It looks cool. It's yeah. fun. Um, but uh, I don't think anything's so special that it can't, it can't find a version of it or something like that. So there you go. Uh, okay, we're going to find another question. Oh, Mike says, do you have to play real loud to take advantage of pedals? No, actually, my personal experience is a lot of pedals don't sound good loud. Uh, it's easier to get them to sound quiet, good quieter than loud. Sometimes when you turn pedals up loud, they're 
not so great. Yeah. Well, and that's how you test them at guitar shops at a certain volume, not vent no uh, venue volume. Yes, not to set people ablaze, but uh, the EVH fifty one fifty MXR pedal. The number one complaint I've heard about that pedal is it doesn't sound good cranked up. A lot of people are like when they crank it up in live shows, they say it doesn't sound that great. I've never tried, uh, never tried that pedal. So again, you know, don't freak out. But, but I'm just referencing as a pedal I've heard that doesn't sound as great. So, uh, yeah. What's the red? What is the red pedal behind you with the space guitar. in the rack? What? What's the red guitar? Oh, behind you. Oh, with the space. That's the scoop. I will let reference it in the uh, in the um, index. I I've done a review of it, and I've definitely done yeah. five things you don't know about. That's the Alvarez Dana scoop. How many of those have you owned? Way too many. I own <laughs> one now. Are you done to one now? Yeah, that one. Yeah, because I knew you were up to three at one point. I think and you were swapping some I in know. and out. And I know. Yep, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the best. I have the best. Uh, the day that guitar. The story of the guitar. That is the best uh, story. The very first guitar I ever bought on eBay with my phone. Remember that story? <laughs> I bought one of those guitars. That red one you see, right? See, now it's like that, that guitar. Um, I bought one of those with my phone uh, on eBay and the picture was so small. I didn't notice that they had red flame, de de red flame, a decal <laughs> of red flames on the guitar. And then they brushed with a paintbrush lacquer over the sticker. And when I got it, I was like, what the heck is this? And then I went home and pulled up on a computer in a computer. You could see in a nice picture that they had ruined the guitar. Um, so yeah, was yeah. that the one you had painted? And then I had to have it. I had because okay, you ended up with another red one. Yeah, and I bought that off of you because I had yep. that for a while. Yep. Yeah. So I learned my lesson. So I never do it now. And I highly recommend, highly, highly recommend, never buy anything <laughs> like that off of your phone again. Seems so obvious when I say it now. You well, know, phones phones have a bigger screen now too. Yeah, but even uh, you know what? Even now, I don't trust it. Don't trust it. If I can't look at the pictures now, because you know what it was, what a lot of people do that I don't think is cool anymore. Um, and it that, that's what happened to me. And again, I'm taking ownership. I was dumb enough. Like I said, I bought it. I was dumb. I didn't check it. Like he said, I, I had it sanded and repainted, custom painted by a, another shop. I, I didn't call the guy and yell at the guy or have it yeah. sent back. But what he did, which is what a lot of people do now, is they won't describe certain things about the guitars that are negative. They just give you pictures. And then they'll say something like, see pictures before, you know, yeah. see pictures before buying. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay. And so whenever I see that now, I think, okay, I'm going to look at really close because, um, you know, sometimes there's, you know, to me, taking a picture, you know, it's great. But I always think it's important to highlight the most important things like big dent in front of guitar, just, just in case, you know what I mean? Or, you know, your neck. <laughs> yeah, or pickups don't work. Something, right? Highlight the problems so we understand. Uh, Benjamin says, looking to upgrade a stock neck pickup. Whoops, sorry about that. Looking to upgrade a stock neck pickup in a $100 Epi SG. The bridge has a thorn bucker uh, and a, with plus the raw nickel cover. Okay. I love blues, classic, and creamy, crisp, clean neck pickups. I mean, it's, it's a mint... Uh, okay, I, I I'm gonna tell you right now the the I like the Thornbucker neck pickup more than I like the bridge pickup. So I will tell you this: if you like if you have a Thornbucker Plus uh, in your bridge and you like it, you're gonna like the neck pickup more. It's just a lot of you know it's 150 bucks, 
but uh, I highly recommend that set. And I don't know. See, mixing pickups is always a, a weird game, you know, brands and yeah. stuff. Sometimes it's it, it's sometimes magic. yes, and a lot of times it backfires. Yeah. So I would recommend the Thornbucker neck pickup just because you've already went that way with a Thornbucker. Um, the only negative about Thornbuckers is the price, and it's not that they're not worth it. It's just you know it's a hundred and fifty dollar pickup. You know it's not cheap. So and nor should it be. I mean it's a sir pickup. It's you know yeah. It's, yeah it's what pickups go for. But um, uh, in that in that idea. So okay, the next one is from. You say that. See how good you do. From uh, oh, his name? Yeah. Day talk. Sure. All right. Thanks, Day talk. All right. <laughs> yeah, you can't see. You can't say the names. They're too hard. Uh, I'm putting some burst bucker pros in my new V, and I wanted to know your guys' favorite Gibson humbuckers. Thanks. What's your favorite? Do you have them? Do you even know them? Can you name any Gibson humbuckers? No, I mean if I if I replace pickups, it's always Seymour Duncan's. Yeah, he's a Duncan guy, so you know. Yeah, um, it's, just, it's what my ear likes the most. I've uh, tried other brands, but I always end up back at Seymour Duncan's. So everybody has mixed opinions on the on the Gibson pickups. I'm actually a fan of most of their pickups. I like the 57 Classics. I just do. I like Burst Bruckers. Burst Bucker Pros, um, I'm not, you know, it's they're, ones, they're the ones I tell people I'm not a fan of, but every time I get a guitar with them in it, I say, okay, these are pretty good. Um, the 61... Uh, T whatever the pickups that are in my new uh, SG, those are great. Um, I think Gibson makes good pickups. I'm not sure where the the turd is in the Gibson pickup lineup. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure some people will have some comments, you know, after they hear this, you know, which ones you had in the past that you don't like. What's funny is I love the 57 classics and I, I get a lot of grief when I hear people that 57 classics are too dark, they're not enough output. Um, but no, I think that's one thing that Gibson, uh, I think that's one thing that Gibson always did that just killed when it came to the PRS guys. They made the really good pickups. It's not until recently that PRS has really brought up the pickup game on their guitars. And um, and I would be uh, I would be doing no, you guys no favors if I didn't tell you for years, I thought about just shoving Gibson pickups in PRS guitars. Cause I like the Gibson pickups and I like the PRS guitars. And I thought Reese's Pieces, right? Peanut yeah. butter and chocolate. Like I just stick Gibson pickups in PRS it guitars. Should it should work. I still have not done it, but I'm really thinking it's something I might do one day just because I like Gibson Kinda pickups. curious now. Yeah, and you shove them. And, you know, you think about it. You shove them in the PRS guitar, you get those those, those great tones. So to, to answer your question, I like them all. Uh, the Burstbucker Pros, uh, I think they'll be good. They're a little higher output. Burstbuckers are low output. Burstbucker Pros a little hotter. So Donald Davenport says... The PRS Tremonti Baritone has a two and a half or twenty-five and a half inch scale length, and so does the Mark Holcomb signature. Does that make does that make the latter a baritone as well? If not, why? No, man, that whole Tremonti Baritone thing <laughs> that makes no sense in the world. That that is uh, so. That is a question. Maybe I'm going to be at the PRS event next month. Okay, maybe that's something I can ask them get there when I'm there. Um, uh, so what he's saying, guys, is so you guys know, um, Paul Reed Smith is uh, uh, 25 inch even, right? Yep. Scale length. And the Tremonti is 25 and a half inch scale. Uh, no, it's 25. But they did a baritone that's 25 and a half. It, it's the weirdest thing ever, right? Because a, uh, a Fender is 25 and a half, right? Yeah. So why is it a baritone? Uh, why is it a baritone? It's not as far as baritone goes. Um, I, I don't know. 
You know what I mean? You know what sad is? I saw Tremonti at uh, the NAMM show this year, and everybody's like, you go talk to him because he's standing right next to me at the event, and I was mm -hmm. just hanging there, and I couldn't think of one good question to ask him, and I'm like, I'm not going to be the dude that asks the question just for the sake of he's right standing next to you. That was the question, Donald. If I would have thought of that, I would have loved to ask Tremonti, and as far as I know, he's not going to be at the PRS event, but I bet you I can find one of the guys at PRS to explain the logic uh, of why the Tremonti 25 and a half inch scale is a baritone. Uh, to me, it's not. I just think they're uh, they're just saying that. It's a baritone. Well, I think it's because it's tuned baritone. That guitar is tuned okay. B to B. So, the, so, so that's probably what it is. It's uh, So the Tremonti baritone is probably just because it's tuned B to B. I mean, think about this. I have a 25 and a half inch scale Ibanez seven string right here. And technically that's tuned B to B just with an extra high E again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I could argue that my seven string 25 and a half inch scale guitar is a baritone. Right? Yeah. I'm uh, seeing where I, I see we're going with the logic. Right. Because one thing, the reason I use seven strings is sometimes it's faster to retune them for baritone. Because I just make a couple adjustments and then I ignore the extra high string and there you go. You have baritone. So I think the Mar I think the reason the Tremonti is a baritone and the Mark Holcomb is not is not the scale length, it's the tuning. And that's their logic. It's tuned baritone and it so, happens. So, so it's a baritone because it's tuned. It. So maybe we're injecting that the that that logic into a guitar that which is they say it's baritone tuned and it just happens to be in 25 and a half inch. And we're saying that they're saying it's baritone because it's 25 and a half inch instead of 25. Yes. So we might have so now we'll know, Donald. We'll ask him to find out if that theory is correct. I bet you that's the right theory. That it's just baritone tuned and they made it a half inch longer because it's tuned baritone. Right. But the half inch has nothing to do with why it's a baritone. It just and that's why the mark hole come at 25. Because so you know, I'm pretty sure, and I'm doing it on memory, the PRS 513 is also 25 and a half inch. In fact, I'm deadly sure of it. Um and I'm sure there's a couple other PRSs hit or miss in there that are 25 and a half. So, I, so they, obviously the PRS 513 is not a baritone. So it's just a little longer, but then it also has the right tuning. So, all right. Um, okay, let's see what else you guys got that's crazy. How are we doing on time? We're doing great on time. Yeah. There's 743 of you guys hanging out on a Saturday. You know what? Uh, I don't know if I'm happy that everybody's hanging out or if I'm sad you guys don't have cooler stuff to do. We don't have anything cooler to do. Well, it's midday. They're taking a break. You know, that's... Yeah. That's like, we're we're uh, doing this and then we're going to... I think we're barbecuing yeah. later. So... Oh, so Rick Duff says, yeah, uh, the Holcomb is drop C from the factory and it's also 25 and a half in scale. Right. So, but see, drop C would not be considered baritone even though I consider it baritone tuned. Yeah. Uh, 20 inch radius on it. So yeah. Yeah. 20 inch radius. So that's flat. 20 inch radius is, is the same radius as a classical guitar. That's flat. Um, I'm pretty sure a Ibanez is 16 inch radius. So 20 is flat. In fact, 20, I didn't know that. I will check one of those out, Rick, at the show, because knowing that now I'm curious because 20 inch radius guitars to me, like I have a classical, they always feel like they're sunk in the middle. Like they're so flat, like they're so flat. Sorry, my stupid phone. Um, they're so flat that they feel, uh, like like I said, curved, curved the wrong way. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to turn this off. Okay. Oh, wait, hold on. We might have the answer because Nathan's texting me. Okay. Oh, my God, Nathan, you sent me like 10 pages of stuff. Did you copy and paste that? Yeah, can't you just give me the Reader's Digest version? Like, 
Summarize it. Nathan, summarize it. Oh, so the, the Mark Germani is specified C to C. Oh, man. It, so here's that's you can't see, but it's this is like two, two pages long. <laughs> Sorry, Nathan. Next time you need the Reader's Digest version. <laughs> There's just no way I'm going to read that two paragraphs to find out what the tuning is. Um, let's see. Ezar21 says, hey, Andrew Goody here. Uh, first time I've made it to a live uh, since joining the crew. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. We're here uh, live too. So that's yeah. good. What do you know or think of uh, tone writer pickups? I use them in three strats now. Um, I have a set that was sent to me uh, uh, for uh, humbuckers. I have two humbuckers. Okay. And they'll be in a sharpen my axe video. Just I, the way I do this is uh, with the stuff is I'm waiting for the right sharpen my axe that guitar that moment those pickups will be the right would, ones yeah the best match for for them um so so i'll i'll let you know what i think of them i'll put a set in there so um yeah but uh I, and i'm looking for your recommendations you got them in the single coils and your strats did you like them jason says phil when are you going to get some know your bass gear uh you mean videos know your gear know your bass gear it's got four strings on it Yes. And use a compressor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, That's all the videos you need to know. So so I'm doing, uh, so you guys know, uh, if you guys have been watching lately, you'll know that I've uh, systematically started a new process. The new process being there is always a video, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, always around three o'clock. I say three o'clock, but through some issues, sometimes they're a few minutes late. One was an hour late one day, but either way, it's three o'clock my time, Pacific time and six o'clock Eastern time. The, the idea is like this week, what I promised you guys, if you guys didn't catch this, so you guys know now, I promised you Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Ralph came on today, which is a Saturday. Yeah. What I promised was I would not skip one of those days. So yesterday, five things about the Dana Electro video released because even though the live show is today, I didn't look at it. It's like it got pushed back a day. This is the ad hoc or the bonus video of the okay. week, right? So my plan, Jason, is I've been complaining because when I make a bass video, even though I enjoy it and a lot of you enjoy it, the view is so low compared to another video I make. Uh, it kind of deflates your 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 momentum because you're like, and so you know, there's a little bit about YouTube that that's a little complicated. And one of the things is, you know, when you have a video that does not perform, you do kind of get punished with YouTube, right? Does that make okay. sense? So if I do three videos and they do good and this one does good, this good, it, it starts, it starts piling on the, the, the pile gets bigger. It does better. And when I start doing a video, that's not as good. It really starts deflating the, the momentum, right? So my point to this, Jason is, is I will have more base content coming soon, more other type type videos that I think are interesting. And some of you guys think are interesting, but maybe the core of the group doesn't find as interesting. But the good part is they will be a bonus videos those weeks. Okay. So there'll be a Monday, there'll be a Wednesday, there'll be a Friday, and then all of a sudden, bam, on a Thursday or, or a Sunday. There's actually a video that's probably coming out tomorrow. I'm pretty sure I'm going to release it tomorrow. It's a video I like. I don't think it's going to get a whole lot of views. It's a video a lot of YouTubers have done, but I thought it was interesting. And so I decided to put it as, again, another bonus type video. Okay. So, so yeah, so there, to answer your question, Jason, I, I'm working on that. I have reached out to a ton of base companies to try to get some interest, you know, to see if they're interested in letting me borrow some cool stuff and do some cool stuff. So I'm on that as well. Okay, this one is from Ranrec. That's a cool name, man, Ranrec. Refurbed my first guitar, a late 80s, 90s Fender HM's heavy metal Strat. 
how hard is it to replace the trim system? And as a beat up Kaler, do you have a vid on that? I don't have a video on that. If it is a Kaler, you can go to Kaler.com. 10 years ago, it was actually impossible because Kaler didn't exist, but Kaler's back in business. They have a full website now and you can probably get most of the parts, if not the pieces you need in the system from Kaler.com. So there's a total resource to that now. So I would look there, if, especially if it's a Kaler type terminal. Um, they have all those weird parts, those springs, all that stuff. And if you can't find this stuff, you can always replace a, a Kaler. Or what's great about the heavy metal strats is even though they're collectible and people like them, you can always find the ones that are kind of junked out and strip them down. It's like, you know, kind of like fixing up old cars. Find the yeah. car that's... Find the parts guitar. Find the parts guitar. But hopefully you won't have to do that. This one's for you. This is Brian Para. Phil and Ralph, you go. As far as 412 cabs, would you go with the Marshall 1960, 280-watt or 300-watt, or a Friedman 110-watt for a Mesa Triple Crown 100-head for cleans to classic rock to high-gain metal? Love the show and my T-shirt. Best regards. Ooh, so he's got a Mesa Triple Crown. Okay, so what's your I know what my answer is right off the bat because I'm going to tell him to do what I do. What do you think? Which is just keep buying more cabinets for it. And <laughs> Such a jerk. <laughs> Every time I'm like, oh, I need another 412. I yeah. Okay, so <laughs> what's your what's your suggestion? What do you got? Uh, the Friedman or the Marshall? Where do you go? I'm gonna go with the Marshall. Can okay, why? Um mostly because that seems like the safer bet and after seeing you do everything. You went the Marshall route. So, yes. Um, so yeah, you're you're the uh, the guinea pig here. I was gonna. I'm gonna say if I'm a betting man, I would bet you just and no facts at all. This is just gut instinct. I would bet you the Friedman probably sounds better. You think so? But that being said, you can buy the Marshall. Uh, I have a Marshall brand new, like right here next to me, a brand new 1960 cab that I bought with Joe. At yeah. Sam Ash, when I bought that Les Paul, I think I paid, I don't know, 350 400 bucks. Uh, when I say brand new, it looks brand new. But I paid 350 400 bucks for it, yeah. used. Um, you could find Marshalls for a great price. <laughs> and what I like about Marshall, if you notice, like, behind me, there's a 212. That looks like a 412 underneath, but that's a 212. I have a lot of Marshall cabinets. And the reason is is because Marshall cabinets are kind of timeless. They look cool. They sound good. Um, so uh, there you go. Uh, I really like the Mesa cabinet. So something to think about that way too. If it was me, see somebody saying the boogie cabs, uh, Stephen Myers, uh, um, our mayors. Um, yeah. I mean, the boogie cabinet's going to sound great. Obviously think about this when Mesa was voicing that amp, yeah. they were probably using, using their cat, their yeah. cabinet. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good suggestions. Um, and, and I think with that route, I'd probably go with the, the, the Mesa yeah. cabinet too, because that's what it's built for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so like I said, I, I would really, I would really like, um, I would, me personally, I would pair pick the Marshall cabinet. Although another thing, great thing, man, I don't know about you, where you live, but where I live, you go on your local Craigslist because cabinets are just too expensive to ship. You can't, yeah. you can't buy them on reverb and stuff like that. So man, you go on your local Craigslist, you can get the Mesa's and Marshall cabinets for a song. Uh, I wouldn't pay, uh, you know, more than four or $500 for a used Mesa cabinet based on yeah. what I've been seeing on my local Craigslist. Again, where you live, where you are at, it's different. Some people may less, some people more, but 
There you go. Uh, and 412 cabinets, what's great about them right now, and this is, again, this is just a personal opinion. I really don't like new uh, 412 cabinets right now because every time I look online, new cabinets are a 1000 bucks, right? Every, every See, you're wincing. That's how much a Marshall is now. It's like a thousand bucks. But when you go on, when you go on your Craigslist, man, you can't give for, in fact, um, this is no joke. The reason I bought that Marshall 412, I didn't want a 412. I bought it because I was looking at a 112 cabinet for 500 bucks. And I told Joe, I said, is there something wrong with me for paying $500 for a 112 cabinet when there's a brand new 412 with selections for 350 bucks? And he said, yeah. And I said, you know what? I'm going to buy the 412. Yeah. And it sounds probably better. Well, better than the 112 for less money. So uh, on a 412 world, uh, just keep in mind, it's a, it's a buyer's market. Yeah. Especially the used market. Oh yeah. 412s. Cause you know why? Cause nobody wants to move a 412. Nobody cabinet. wants, and nobody wants to ship them. You know what I mean? Um, you know, another great place to get 412s great, uh, is for some reason is guitar center used, man. They'll sell them. I don't even understand it. Uh, there were the other day I was looking at something on guitar center used a Marshall art Marshall 412 and it was like 250 and they'll ship it to the other store for like 30 bucks. And I was like laughing going, I don't know how they ship a cabinet 412 across the country for 30 bucks. Uh, so my guess is they didn't. So, uh, so anyways, um, okay. The libertarian says, uh, if you were about to start a new guitar related lifestyle product on a small budget, how would you go about it? Um, yeah, carefully. carefully no, yeah. How would I do it? I would do it the way everybody does it. I'd say I would get involved with, uh, YouTubers and Instagram. Uh, it's definitely been online product. Yeah. I mean, here's the deal. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Uh, the guy who, um, uh, Here's a funny story. So the guy who did the the uh, sling, the uh, slide slide winder, this uh, ring thing, I met him at the NAMM show and I, I said, hey, I want to buy one of these for, you know, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, you know, he basically gave me one. You know what I mean? I, I tried to buy it. And he was like, no, I'll give you some. And so I did the five things video, uh, you know, five gadgets because, you know, I, I thought it'd be cool to mention it. And then he sent me a nice email and he basically told me the guitar world has decided to put it in the magazine this month. No, you know nice. what I mean? Yeah. So uh, gets a little steam behind going. Yeah. And so I mean, realistically, think about that. I mean, his his budget was you know just a few couple few products to me for free, um, you know, and and um, interestingly enough, you know, he, it was a smart move by him because I could have just bought it and left. I don't know if I would have reviewed it. I don't know. But when he gave it to me, even though I liked it either way, I obviously I wanted to buy it. I obviously wanted to reciprocate. So I reviewed it as well. So to answer your question, that's how that's how you get that product out there. The the trick though is how that's how what you should do. Actually, that's what you should do. Get it to gear influencers if that's a if that's a term. I don't know. Um, but the that's what you should do. How you do it is tricky because a lot of channels want to be paid, so you have to kind of put that in your budget. And another thing is, even the ones that want to be paid, there, there's a backlog. You know. Um, honest to goodness, it, other than the excitement of doing them, I have enough gear right now that I per just have, I, I probably wouldn't need another piece of gear for a year. Like I could just yeah. do content for a year. Um, and so, you know, if that sounds like it's uh, bragging, uh, just keep that in mind, uh, when talking to other YouTubers, that's a fraction of what they seem to be backlogged on. Um, you know what I mean? Cause I'm pretty choosy about what I do and I still don't get a lot of stuff. I, I, I actually say no to most of the companies that try to send me product. 
because I just can't get to it. It's just, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, um, but that's how I would do it is uh, try to get it, the word out there through, through those medium medias, mediums, whatever. Uh, you give a shot at this one. <laughs> Fensty 15. Okay. Like I said, Arizona public education right there. Yeah. High school work. reading. Yeah. <laughs> With a thousand dollar guitar. Is the max you would spend on pickups an overall upgrade? Okay. All right. With a thousand dollar guitar, what is the max you would spend on pickups and overall upgrade? It's easy. What's your answer? What you got? I like um, pinging off this. This is good. I can tell you because I use my I'll use my Charvel. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good one. Um, if you guys saw, was it on Instagram? You we put it up there. Yeah, St. Patty's Day. St. Patty's Day. I, yeah. yeah, on my Instagram, I put took a picture of Ralph's. He came over for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, and I took a picture of Ralph's uh, Charvel that has it's green. Yeah, it's green, and I think only one person asked what was in the bridge, and it was an it's an El Diablo Seymour Duncan El Diablo, uh, custom shop pickup. I think it retailed for two fifty. We paid two hundred five for it. I know that because Phil called me up and was like, "Hey, you owe me two hundred dollars for this pickup we ordered." Yes. So yeah, so um, I don't see. I don't. I don't think there really is a, a max for me. Yeah, I it's don't. what's. What do I think is going to be good going into it? Yeah. So I put the the El Diablo in there, then a uh, fifty nine in the neck. So if you if you took if you take one thing away from the Sharpen My Axe video series and what is different about if you look at the way I think when I'm doing those videos, that that. That way of doing things, the, what I call non-marring mods, right? He's heard me say yeah. it a million times. What I've learned repairing guitars is that when you permanently put something on a guitar, you lost the money, okay? The second you drill a hole, you devalue the guitar. I don't care what it is. The second you've ma made a piece of equipment go to stick onto a guitar that can't be removed, right? Yeah. When, You've lost the money. So what I think is do whatever you want to your guitar as long as you don't, as long as you can take it back off. So let me give you an example. $1,000 guitar. Put new tuning keys on it, but do like what I suggest. Use the tuning keys that directly mount fit or that have adapters so you don't basically have to make any modifications. You can put in your new pickups, keep your old pickups, and it won't matter what you spend because when you decide, if you ever decide uh, to get rid of it, you can take all that stuff back off, put all the stock staff stuff and then use that modifications for the next guitar what i find too is great about that is once you generally like a type of pickup or a type of tuner tuning key you tend to go to that yeah you tend to go to that and use it on all the other guitars plus if you take it off and let's say you don't get the same kind of guitar and the stuff doesn't work now you can sell that stuff off on its own and recoup some of that money back as well and the other part is if you never sell that guitar and you keep it forever well then yeah. the modifications are are, yeah. wor are worth it so that's my my suggestion the money isn't the important part on that where i would not spend or spend it's just you understand that once you make permanent modifications like yeah. perfect example here's my favorite example when people rip out some kind of bridge and stick a bigsby on a guitar He's laughing, not because yeah. it's a dumb idea or it's bad, it, you know. Yeah. It, it, but we've been in the shop, we've seen, we know exactly what happens when the guy come, does it. And then a couple months later, he's like, yeah, I got that blah, blah, blah guitar. It's worth about 700 bucks. I I had you guys put the Bigsby in and that's about another $200 between the Bigsby and the install. <laughs> so I was thinking if I could just get, and then you realize like now he can't even get the original amount that no. the guitar is worth used because now he's got to find somebody who wants that guitar used with a Bigsby. 
And most people are skeptical by nature. So no matter how well the install is done, people are a little weary of how, you know, who did the install and if it's any good. Yeah. And again, if you never plan on getting rid of the guitar, yes, go to town. Yeah, go to town. Uh, SG Flying V. Hey, that'd be cool. Uh, best. Actually, they made an SG Flying D uh, uh, for uh, Zach Wild. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so best way to burn in 212 speakers without a looper. So he means that basically the best way to kind of break in the speakers without a looping pedal. You can run a stereo yeah. through it. Um, some people use a white noise effect. Um, yeah, anything that works good. Drum machine. Drum machine, you know, right? Anything, just don't make the bass super crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, anything that runs. To me, it's about just getting the speaker movement to loosen a little bit. Um, and I've, I've heard a thousand theories on this, so you know. And uh, the only thing I know that I notice is a lot of people say breaking the speaker doesn't matter. Um, when I did the video about breaking the speakers, the one thing I noticed was a lot of speaker companies reached out to me and said, yeah, uh, it, we actually do yeah. it. <laughs> we actually do it too. We try to break in some of the, especially nicer speakers, we'll break them in before we ship them. Um, but whether or not it's it's true or not, what I can tell you is, what I, what I can t tell you is that I don't think you have to do it very long. Like some people were saying 24 hours. I think really the speaker breaks in really quickly. So just run something through it for, um, when I did that video, I think I was saying a few hours. Now I kind of believe it's probably like 30 minutes or so. It's just something to, to get that, you know, just break the, the hardened, the hardened coating around the edge. It seems like once you soften that a little bit, the speakers just loses those little, the bright tone that it tends to have when it's brand new to my ear. So, okay. Um, going through, Okay, so Benjamin says, Phil, thanks, Phil. Good to see you and Ralph. I will buy a Thornbucker neck to match my bridge. Awesome, man. Yep. Uh, thoughts? Roy, Roy, uh, Rory Gallagher, most underrated guitar player of all time. Uh, you know, of all time, it's impossible to yeah. say. He's definitely underrated. Rory Gallagher is amazing. You know what I mean? The the it's hard, You know, he's definitely in the list of underrated guitar players of all time. I'd put him in my top 10 list that there was a, such if he's a, like, yeah, if you're doing the bracket, like overrated, underrated, he's definitely underrated. Yes. So, uh, you know, yes, I agree with you. He's amazing. You know why, uh, to me, when underrated guitar players are not just guitar players who are good, who didn't get recognized underrated guitar players are guitar players who are notoriously known throughout the community as influencing great guitar players. Does that make sense? Yes. Rory, Rory Gallagher is a great guitar player, but he's also a guitar player that a lot of great guitar players, when in when in interviews, bring him up as inspiration. And that's what I always find funny is that, you know, it, it, that that's what, to me, is what really gets the underrated vibe going is when the guitar idol that everybody idols mentions this other guy that everybody doesn't idol as yeah. being the inspiration for his playing. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows like Nuno Bittencourt's like Eddie Van Halen, you know, right? But, yeah. it, you know, which makes sense. Eddie Van Halen's bigger than Nuno Bittencourt on the uh, notoriety scale. So it kind of makes sense. To me, it's a little strange when, you know, when the big guitar guy mentions this guy that most people just don't know. That to me is the 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 uh, pinnacle of an underrated <laughs> player. Like why didn't that, why didn't the player who inspired such big guitar players yeah, and you see, you know, after a couple of the guys are like, oh, yeah, this guy over here, he does great stuff. Yes. So, 
Okay, we're going to try and do a couple more. Okay, here's another one. It's uh, David. Hey, David, man. First, thanks for having the easiest name to read ever. <laughs> okay, and uh, okay, so uh, thoughts on the Music Man Axis Super Sport. Thanks. Um, I haven't tried it. You probably no. haven't tried it either. Uh, I'm. I'm, I'm working on that stuff uh, with, you know, trying to get some more Music Man reviews. I really like Music Man guitars. I really like their necks, the way they feel. Music Man guitars are expensive. They seem to have relationship with YouTubers, and my channel should be pretty easy for them because I just need them to loan me the guitar. Uh, it seems like, and the reason I say that, if you haven't noticed, I've seen Music Man guitars all of a sudden popping up on a lot of YouTube channels lately. So I'm, I'm going to try and see if we can try and, and, and review some of their guitars because it's impossible for me to buy a couple of $3,000 guitars and give them a try. Yeah. Just, in, just, just a try. Yeah. We, um, this is from Bubba. We like Bubba. Okay. It says I have a custom made strat with PRS humbuckers in it. They sound really muddy. Okay. Uh, what would you suggest would be a good bright upgrade set of humbuckers? The problem. Uh, so, you know, Bubba, the first problem is PRS humbuckers. There are, like Gibson, there are many types. There are the 5708s, the 5909s, the Dragon 2s, the treble, the the bass, uh, the vintage treble, vintage bass, the Miras. I, I don't know which PRS humbuckers you have to know. Um, it, it, here's what I'm going to guess. I'm shooting off the hip. Ready? Uh, usually when I hear PRS humbuckers and the word muddy, even though I really like those pickups, the it's the S2s. I like the S2 pickups. I have a set in my S2 over there because obviously that's what it comes with. I like them, but if I was going to critique them and say one thing about them that's negative is they kind of a little muddy. I like that they're bassy and full, but muddy is the tone. So I'm curious if Bubba, if what you're talking about is PRS S2 pickups because those are the only PRS pickups I've ever heard that to me sound muddy. A lot of the PRS pickups to me are bright. So, um, and in that regard, uh, yeah, I and think, you might want to lower just the pickup height too. Yeah, that could that could be it. They might be uh, too high or too low. Might want to make just a simple adjustment there oh, to see if that'll clean it up. That's a great point as well. So, um, and then in that case, most of the pickups I've messed with are brighter than those pickups. <laughs> okay, here's one. There's one for you. Oh no, we did that one. Yeah, we'll go back up to the top. Go to the top. Well, let me refresh this. Hold on, guys. There you go. Okay. Uh, this one's you. All right. Max Shade. Hey, Phil. Yeah. Maybe it's me. <laughs> no, no, you read it to me and I'll read right. it to you. Hey, Phil. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm looking to record my band's rehearsals. I'm looking for the next step up from my cell phone. Any suggestions? Yes. There's nothing better than your cell phone. So... You need to get the attachments for your cell phone. So, um, look, you can get, uh, I have the Zoom H5, all this stuff to record your band rehearsals, okay? But um, any of that stuff will work. But if it was me, uh, I would invest in, if you have an iPhone, get yourself, like this is an iRig studio mic, get yourself some uh, a studio mic or attachment. If you have a Droid phone, there are all kinds of mic attachments you can get for your phone. There are so many things now for your phone. And your phones, and, and this is nothing to do with me. This is, I, I've had many conversations with uh, a lot of YouTubers, and we've talked about the fact how funny it is. Like when we do shows, like when we do the NAM show, 
we spend a fortune on all these crazy, you know, cameras and stuff and all this stuff we buy. And sometimes our phones just capture audio a thousand times better than any of that stuff because phones are designed to do a bunch of things that are really great, like kind of ignore some noise and do some stuff. So although I think the Zoom uh, stuff is great, I think there's a Tascam is okay. I got some of that stuff that's pretty good for recording. Uh, I would stick with your phone. The battery life is good on it. The recording power is good. Um, spend some uh, spend some time researching great things that attach to your phone. I have about six different microphones that plug into my phone. Uh, and I have a, a plethora. In fact, there's one. Oh, no, they're in the other room. Uh, a plethora of devices that hold my phone and stuff. So I wouldn't give up on your phone because the phone is a really impressive piece of technology when it comes to capturing video and audio, right? Uh, and if you just need the audio, don't worry about that. Either way, uh, it's great. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Outside your phone, I think the Zoom. Yeah. Because you use the Zoom here. I use, I use the, Zoom the Zoom at work. Yep. Um, I think it works really good just to put on those uh, on the mic, set it down. I mean, the week, especially the new ones now, they have the interchangeable uh, yeah, the mic, mic, mic on them. attachments. I have yeah. the H5. What do you have? I, uh, at work, I use the H4. H4. And, there's the, and I know last time I was at NAMM, a lot of people were using the H6. H6. So... Yes. And what's great about it too is like you said, it has mic attachments. And what's really cool about that is when you go on reverb and eBay, you can always find used mic attachments yeah. pretty cheap because people try them and then realize that's not the right mic attachment for them. So something to think about there. So there's tons of cool options like that. Okay. Now I'll read you one. This is lay lady stay says, how do you feel about Chinese made tools? <laughs> there are like uh, zinc fret rockers or $3 ESP tool, like the copy of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are they so worse? Uh, cause are they so worse? Cause twelve twenty four is a lot. Okay, I don't know the last part, but I'm gonna go with the first part that makes sense. So, how do I feel about Chinese made tools? Um, Zinc dents easily. Yeah, yeah. The Chinese made tools, like to me, are like Harbor Freight tools and stuff like that. Um, you know, tools have a purpose, and they also have a place. Yeah, and so. Uh, you know, everybody's going to have a different opinion on this, but the way I look at it is this in my personal tools, the majority of my tools are expensive and nice because I use them on a, on a, on a daily, you know, daily basis. I put them through a lot. I really want them to last. And I definitely don't want to be in a situation where one breaks and I need to get something done in time. Right. Um, I, you, you tend to do stupid things like tell people like, yeah, it'll be done in four hours. <laughs> And then your tool breaks, you know what I mean? And that's a phone call you don't want to make. Um, but that being said, sometimes a Chinese made tool saves a little money. And if you don't use it very often, it's fine. Uh, but, I, but I can't make a blanket statement, unfortunately, because I've learned that certain tools work well. I have never tried the ESP um, generic version of the ESP tool. And I link always when I ever mention that tool to Amazon to the real one and not the cheap one. And um, But I would love to get feedback because I get feedback from you guys. Um, Sometimes like, hey, I get the cheaper one and it works just as good. Or, hey, I got the cheap one and toss it. And especially for precision. Yeah. I mean, this isn't like a, like a Harbor Freight tool if you break it and you're like, all right, I know I'm using this a lot. I better go down to another place and get the high-end one. Yeah. This is a precision tool. And if it's not precise, you're doing more harm than good. And on that note, one thing to point out, I will tell you this. I have never recommended a tool that I don't use and trust. So I sometimes will recommend a cheap tool and sometimes an expensive tool, but it's only based on my uh, the history of that tool with me. So as much as some people go, what do you think of this $4 tool? 
I, I just don't trust anything I, I recommending wise because it already sucks when you recommend something. And I love it when eight people tell me like, oh, I got it. And it's great. Phil, thanks for the suggestion. And then two people go, yeah, I got it. And it was horrible. You don't want to hear that, even though that's you know going to happen. But as long as that's the ratio, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's already dangerous when I love a tool and trust a tool and I recommend it. And two out of every 10 still say they have a bad experience. I would imagine if I just start blindly taking shots at it, I'd come up with the worst stats. So... Um, the next one is from James and it says Roy Buchanan and Lonnie Mack are one of the underrated guitar players of the past. Um, yeah, of course. Like I said, there's definitely, there's definitely a list. Yeah. There's guys that get overlooked that are, that are fantastic players. Mike Larson's got a question. It says, this is, I'm going to give it to Ralph and then I'll do it. Most overrated guitar gear and guitar players. I'm going to say, I, I want you to go, but I want to say overrated guitar players will pin that one um, for no other reason than that's almost, you know, underrated guitar players are easy. They're guitar players that people think they're good, mm -hmm. but most people don't know about. Um, overrated guitar players are tough because generally what ends up happening is different. To me, when I think of an underrated guitar player, that's a guitar player that I think is good, but most people don't know about. And somebody could listen to him and go, yeah, I don't think they're good. So that's probably why I don't know about them. Overrated guitar players is somebody I think is uh, not good, but everybody knows about. But the truth is, um, it's really hard to say if, if a player is good or not. You know what I mean? Uh, my, my, my problem with that is, is I think there's guys that are great songwriters. Okay. But not good guitar players. That, that I think fall into that overrated guitar playing part. See, here's here's my here's my take on the guitar player thing. We're doing the question out of order, but yeah. the guitar player thing is a harder question, part of the question. Here's the problem with guitar players and whether or not they're good or not. The problem is, is that the only way to rate somebody and how good they are is to find uh, a par for the course, right? Yeah. You got to find somebody else and say, okay, Steve I is good, better than Kurt Cobain, right? I'm throwing the analogy out. Uh, so you're saying that basically this guitar player's better, right? As a guitar player, right? But but what if what if you're not attracted to that sound? You know what I mean? So you see what I'm saying? That's why the better thing gets really yeah. tricky. I, well, I think you can you can say something's good or something's great and not like it still. Yeah, except yes, like like Steve I. I'm not a big Steve I fan. Right, and that's a perfect. But, example. but do you go, guy? Guy's a fantastic player. He's a great guitar player. Not my thing, but I can go. He's a great guitar player. Right. Yes. Yeah, Not a real good songwriter. Well, great guitar again, player. Again, see, it's a, it's a, it's an impossible yeah. task. Underrated to me just seems so easy to say. Hey, here's somebody I don't think anybody I've got enough recognition for yeah. being known. Uh, so that's the hard part of that question. But the overrated gear. Um, is uh maybe easier right uh to me most overrated gear so first let's classify that what classifies a piece of gear as being overrated uh something you constantly hear about i know what i i have for this answer okay give me your answer because and it's thinking. the thing that I, I really get tired of hearing about it's chapman guitars really you know yeah that? everybody's like oh chapman guitar where was i two weeks ago it was one of the stores they had to use chapman in and they're like a bunch of dudes like oh Chapman they were like flocking to it and I was like it's it's a guitar 
See, to me, the term, again, overrated gear means gear that is not worth the pr the mass praise it receives. Yeah, I don't know if it's that. It's just, I guess, if, if, I, got, if I hear the same thing over and over and over again, I kind of get tired of it. Yeah. I, so to me, an overrated piece of gear is a piece of gear. I'm trying to remember right now. A piece of gear that I tried that my reaction was maybe like, meh, you know, right? Even though everybody said it was going to be the greatest thing ever. Like to, uh, So I'm trying to think of a piece of gear that I think was overrated. Um, that's tough, right? Uh, a piece of gear that, like a piece of gear that I, that let me down, you know what I mean? That I thought was going to be so much better. I'm trying to see if I have a piece because sometimes that's easy because sometimes you buy something and you're like, I can't believe this made the collection. I don't know. Overrated piece of gear. I'm going to pin it, man. I wish I had a great answer. I thought he was going to inspire a cool answer out of no, me. No, no, no. I'm not very inspirational today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because uh, um, you know what? What do you guys got? Anyone got a give me give me a suggestion? Dumble. Considering I've never played a Dumble, I I can tell you this. Uh, and that's Bobby Beretta. Bobby, Bobby, thank you for that suggestion because what <laughs> Klon Centaur? Okay, here. Ah, okay. I had a Klon Centaur. Okay. <laughs> And I think if you have twenty five hundred bucks to, you know, spit out there like it's you nothing. know to nothing, and you want that pedal, do it. Here's the deal. Um, I I bought a Klon Centaur for three hundred fifty bucks, and then I sold it when it was like nine hundred, eight hundred bucks. I was so excited to double my money. I was like, oh, the sucker <laughs> that buys this for eight hundred bucks. I remember sticking it in the in the eBay in my box, you know, when I was eBaying it, going. <laughs> Man, are people silly, right? Um, and so here's the deal with the Klon Centaur for me. It's great. Um, I like the soul food just as much. I can make people cringe because because somebody will say, are you kidding me? Except for the fact that it's not that it's as good as the Klon. Uh, it was mildly different, <laughs> right? So, yeah. So to me, the Klon Centaur is a pedal that's overrated. And it's a great piece of gear to talk about being overrated because not only is do I feel that it, got, it gets more love than it probably it should, have. should have it's created an entire line of other pieces of gear you know all the clones and they're and so to me the clon centaur is an is like to me it's like a tube screamer it's such a great pedal and it's such a great platform but the tube screamer is 100 bucks like if here's why i think the clon's silly okay so you know it's silly to me because if the tube screamer ever became 2500 i would actually chuckle how silly it sounds and you know that that price yeah. is, right because the, there's no reason there's no reason any, somebody can't make me like kind of like the um the uh, self-esteem pedal right they don't want to make one there's no reason yeah. somebody else can't make a boost pedal with a tone control for 100 bucks or right um to me if if i've been to stop making the um tube screamer tube screamer and then all of a sudden everybody and then the ones that were they were used started going for 2500 bucks right more people would make the copies of the tube screamer right so <laughs> And, and, if, and so, so yeah, yeah, so I, I, yeah, that's a great one. The Dumble one, uh, yeah, the prices seem silly, but I've never played one. Um, but I can tell you this. It might be worth the price. Well, I know it's not going to be worth the price because I'm pretty sure a Dumble's worth more than my car. Yeah. And um, I didn't even care about my car, so. You can't drive a Dumble to the coffee shop. You can't. You can't. <laughs> so, okay. Um, Jerry Neal's got a question says, what do you think about PRS Studio guitars uh, with the narrow-filled uh, and the 5708 pickups? 
This is essentially a SSH configuration. Uh, I'm looking at an American model built in 2011 with a 10 top. Have you ever tried the studio? No, but I like the 5708s. And, and sometimes, sometimes I, I, I'm going to help Ralph. Yeah. The studio was the one that, remember when Frank's neck started, the, the finish started peeling off his neck? Yeah. He had the, his SC245? No, that was his studio. Was that a studio? studio? Yeah. Well, our buddy Frank had a PRS studio and the finish started lifting I off the neck. I remember that now, yes. And for his birthday, I I remember I removed all the finish off his neck, off his yes. PRS neck, and I made it all satin. It was it just, I did, I'll never do that again. I love you, Frank, but that was, like, <laughs> remember I was like three, four hours straight of just, it was just, it was brutal. Okay, um, I remember this, yes. Uh, so what do I think about it? It's a great guitar. I love that pickup configuration. Um uh i know you're looking at american built one 2011 with a tin top uh what do i think of it i think it's great uh good guitar so uh frank loves his uh a bass. Yeah, it was a nice guitar too yeah yeah it sounds great they feel great you know pierces are in, in a whole great their guitar gets told all the time they're overrated i'm sure there's probably a little truth to that too but i still like them because they're built well and the prs guys are decent dudes so Okay, hold on a second. I'm gonna make sure we're not. All right, he's kind of. Okay, so overrated gear. I have multi stomp box with SD slot. Oh yeah, yeah. Wasn't that the Anderton guys? They were all like in love with the multi stomp kind of thing. So that was James. So James didn't dig it, huh? Overrated gear. I have multi. Uh. Yeah, I sometimes um, all those little you know boxes that do like fifty thousand yeah. things. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think it's overrated too. Yeah, they they tend to never do one thing well. Yeah, and uh, Justin Mabe says, "Hey Phil, glad to see Ralph again. You guys rock, Justin. Hey, glad to see you, Justin. Yeah, and Justin, you retired, right? Or is it coming up? How close are you? You got to make a comment on. He's uh Justin Mabe is retiring from the United States Air Force, and so we should thank him for his service, obviously, man, and. That's a that's quite an accomplishment, so you know, man. Uh, uh, thank thank you again for your service. And and uh, ten man twenty eight says, would you use a GFS Mean ninety or a Dream ninety lead? Um, I think the Dream ninety for me. Uh, GFS is guitar fetish, and uh, I've I I've never I've never installed or played the Mean ninety. I I installed a, um, a Dream 90 uh, pickup, and I thought it sounded great. I would assume the Mi 90 is just a little slightly hotter version of that. Again, I'm just going off guessing without checking their website. Um, but um, to me, to me, P90s don't need to be extra hot. They're they, they're already a hot version of a of single coil. They they do some great things. I don't know why I'd want it wound a little hotter. To me, single coils uh, like the P90s when you wind, wind them hot, they uh, uh, it's just you're just more noise, right? Because the whole point of a hot pickup is to kick the amp to get the gain going, right? Yeah. And so if you got a single coil and you're kicking the gain, you're just adding all that noise. I can't stand. So that's just a thing. And Justin retired last month. Congratulations, dude! Congratulations. Yeah, I thought I saw it on the Facebook. I just wasn't sure. So man, that's awesome. So I hope you're doing something cool besides watching me and Ralph right now. What do you do when you retire from the Air Force? Yeah, hopefully this is a low point in your day. <laughs> yeah, hopefully this is, you, on Saturday you watch two guys talk gear, uh, and then uh, 
Hopefully, she, you're day drunk at that point. He just, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jay Clover uh, just said, "Hey, say hey, what's up, Jay?" And um, let's do a couple more questions. We're doing yeah. good. There's still 770 of us hanging out. You guys got nothing to do. We got a little time. I'm gonna try and convince Ralph to buy an SG today. Was <laughs> oh, that the one you're talking about online? There's, yeah. there's, there is an SG. You guys, tell me what you think. There is a SG at 2017, exactly like the one I just bought, but in red, for $850 on Craigslist. And I live in a town that's small. I mean, I I live in a where I live, it's like 10 cities yeah. and towns stuck together. So I, I, I live in a big spot, but he's saying he lives in my town, which yeah. means he's, he can't more be more than 10 minutes in either direction. So 10 minutes from where we are right now, there's an $850 red SG with Ralph's name on it. What do you guys think? See Ralph buy the SG, uh, ah, right? It's the same guitar 850 and the guy says no offers, but I told him, I go, man, we could probably get him to take eight. You know what? You know what? Last time we've done this though, it's hold backfired on. like, hold on three times. Well, we did a couple weeks ago. So, you know, me and Ralph, uh, we tried to buy a Gibson for me and the guy was kind of crazy. He's like, he wanted to meet yeah. us at a Walgreens. <laughs> and then he told us, what do you say? Don't make me get out of the car if you're not serious about buying this guitar. No, it was, um, he goes, it was that price firm. I don't want to go outside for anything less or something like that. It was weird. So watch this. Well, right, so Max Shade. Hey, Ralph. Hey, Max. Overrated EQ guitar pedal. I think it's on my, one of my underrated items. Yeah, he was, so you know, Max Shade, so you, so you, you can trust him. He was just telling me, uh, he was looking at all my boss pedals. I yeah. went on a boss frenzy the last couple of weeks and I just got some this week and he saw my GE7 EQ pedal and he's like, most underrated pedal ever. <laughs> That's what he said, I swear. <laughs> he just said that was the most yeah. underrated uh, pedal out there. So I don't think uh, Ralph's gonna help you with that. Um, overrated EQ pedal. Okay, so I have one and I own it. Most overrated EQ pedal, ready? It's my Mesa Boogie, where are you at? <laughs> Are you on the racks or are you in the shelves? Oh, it's right here. This. I paid $250 for this stupid pedal. <laughs> and I love it, but it is so not worth 250 bucks. I sit there every time. This is the pedal that every time I pull it out, the first thing I say is, oh, yeah, I paid $250 for this thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, you, it's like for some reason... There's just a there. I so yeah, I love this. This is the Mesa Boogie EQ. It sounds great. Uh, it it'll make you know what this pedal does that I love. It you can shove this in the effects loop of almost any amplifier and make that amplifier not suck, right? It's just a great way to fix a lot of stuff. It sounds great. There's so many great things about it, but two hundred fifty bucks. You know, and when I bought it, this is a funny story. When I bought it, I didn't I didn't want it. I was trying not to buy the Mark V Mini Head. I had the Rectiverb. Right, this makes sense. I'm sure. I hope you guys do this logic like me. Uh, I had an amplifier. It was a decent amplifier, the Rectiverb, yep. right? Um, and I was thinking about buying the the Mark V Mini, and that's like fourteen hundred dollars. And I was like, do I really need to buy a fourteen hundred dollar amp when I have this nice twelve hundred dollar amp? Um, isn't it a waste of money? And so I go, well, what if I buy this and put it into the Rectiverb, and then you know, two hundred fifty dollars uh, added to the twelve, that's fourteen fifty. That's cheaper than spending another $1,400. I was trying to save myself money by not spending money. And um, when I bought it, I liked it so much that it made me go, well, if I like this. 
so, I'm gonna love this. Yes. Uh, so, uh, yes. Yeah. So there you go. God, it's just sometimes. All right. What do we got next? Hold on. Okay. You find a, a good, hold on. Let's refresh. Rouse, hang it. I just want to make sure we're not missing anything. Okay, Ralph, you go while I do something. I'm up. Right. To, I'm up to oh, you're up to shenanigans. Or, uh, I'm gonna. All right. Let's see. Yeah, get the SG. Get the SG. Buy it. That's a smoking deal. Yes, it's a smoking deal. So what's funny about that is, you guys are horrible. By the way, this is like this is like a. a an addicts meeting where all the addicts really like it's the worst question. Yeah, this is pure pressure. This is all that's pure pressure. So you guys, if any of you guys follow me on Instagram this week on Instagram, I said, Hey, should I get this Ampeg Re Reverber Rocket 212 amp? And you guys literally within two hours, like, yes, 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 yes. So by the way, there's the Reverb Rocket, Reverber yeah. Rocket 212. <laughs> I bought it. Uh, now I'm sure I'll have to review it. But and then after I bought it, I thought that is the craziest thing ever. That's literally like somebody at a at a meeting talking to other addicts going, should I do this? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you should. <laughs> like, yeah, I should. Like, we're not going to, but you should. And what's funny is I, I will say this. I bought it because it was a smoking deal. It's an, like I was telling him, American yeah. made 212 50 watt uh, amp. You know what I mean? And it sounds great. And um, sub the $400 price point doesn't suck. Okay. You go. find a question. I'm doing something right now. All right. Well, we're. So I'm not. Invincible ask Phil, what amp would you recommend for some old school metal for under twelve hundred dollars? Uh, well, it depends on how loud you need to be. So, I mean, old school. Old and school metal for and help me out, old school metal. I don't know what that means anymore. Is that old school metal? Is that from the seventies or is that eighties metal? Is that nineties metal? I mean, let's be let's be honest right now to date everything. If your Creed is old school, <laughs> they're not metal, but they're old school, right? Alex, Okay. Yeah, what's old school? Is that twenty? Is that uh, twenty years ago now? Can we classify twenty years as old school? Hey, nice guy. Eddie said, "If Froth doesn't buy it, you should buy it, Phil." Okay. Okay, hold on. We're 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 sending the message right now. Let's see if the guy he wants. Uh, Email them, dude. Or yeah, I'm email okay, yeah, I mean, email them. Okay, yeah, apparently. Ooh. You okay there? Uh huh. All right. Joe McCarthy asks best short scale bass. Uh, best short scale bass. Um, I mean, I like the Squire reviewed, I have that one. That's the uh, the Jaguar short scale bass is really cool. I, I, that's my favorite, and it's one hundred seventy bucks. Because uh, that one's tough to beat. Yeah, it's tough to beat. I mean, especially it's not, at that price. Yeah, and it's not even the price. It's just I. It, there's a lot of good short short scale bass out there, but that's my favorite by far. Uh, Evan Harnett said twenty for the dollars for an EQ. I should unsubscribe right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> You know, not every decision is your best decision, yeah. man. You know what I mean? Oh, so you know, and uh, and the, here's the thing: 
and it has no resale value really. Uh, I think they're worth like 150 bucks. So I, I'll never get rid of it because it's just the paint. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, uh, I, I would love to have a good reason why I bought it that day. I just, I, it is one of the crazy ones I bought. Okay. Yeah, hit send. Okay. All right, everybody. See if the guy emails us back, responds back. If you guys have the same Craigslist experience I have, ninety percent <laughs> of all uh, things, you, no one ever responds back to you. So, so here we go. So I'm pretty sure I just sent it. Hold on, let me check. Okay, and then we'll do. So we'll do. Hold on. Did send? Yeah, it says like. Okay, I let him know we can meet today with cash. Let's see if somebody wants to sell an SG. Oh, uh, now we're gonna go knock over a Seven Eleven again. No. Or right now, two other people on the out there watching <laughs> is emailing him too. <laughs> I'll give you eight fifty-five. Uh, okay, so uh, what do we got in the meantime? See if we get lucky. If see if the guy emails us back and we buy an SG. Uh, the question: Will you try a Harley Benton? Um, you got any interest to try a Harley Benton? <laughs> Why not? I mean, I'll, I'll try it. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with trying anything. I figured uh, right now all the Tallman guys are kind of busy with their event and stuff. So I figured after the event, I'll reach out to them. And we'll, I, th I talked about doing maybe a giveaway and stuff with them. Okay. Okay. The question from, I'm going to say Dare. Dare. Hey, hey, Phil. If I'm getting a Kiesel, do you want me to order it to you in review and then ship it back to me? Um, no, man. I, I, I appreciate that. I get that offer, uh, you know, a little every once in a while. And that that is really awesome, you know what I yeah. mean, to do that. Um, I am working on doing a Kiesel review and buying a Kiesel. That's my whole thing. And I, I've determined which Kiesel I want and how I want to do this. Um, and um, so I'm getting there. Trust me. I'm getting there. The uh, Joe says, "I'm in San Diego, and the nearest the the nearest versions on Craigslist of the SG, including the one that looks just like Phil's, are 1,050." Ralph, you need to, yeah. yeah. So you know, 850 is legit. I mean, it's a yeah, it is a legit price. It's a legit price. That's why I said I told him he was, you know, I told him when he came over. I said, "Hey, so you know, it's a great price," um, and he's been wanting an SG forever. So. And maybe we'll get lucky and the guy will email us back. I don't think it has a phone number. Let me check. I'm going to check right now. We'll call him. Oh, hey, my phone's vibrating. Let's see if we're lucky. Hey, okay, ready? Okay, hold on a second. All right, he just responded. I offered him 800 bucks. <laughs> he said, no. Hey, you know what? You, you got to ask. You, you got to ask. You I was so, you know, he responded because I, was, I, was, I yeah. was respectful. You know what it is, guys? I don't know about you guys. Do it res with respect. Yep. You know, I don't sit there and go, hey, take 800 bucks. You know, I, I get it. He's offering a good deal. Um, 
And I feel remiss if I don't at least say, because it's cash and I'm convenient. You know what I mean? I'll meet you. I'll yeah. give you cash. It's fast. You know, um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that will, uh, well, I know how it works on Craigslist. They go meet. And then when they meet, then they go, oh man, I only brought 800 with me. I was hoping, you know, right? Like whatever. You know what I mean? I'm not there to waste anybody's yeah. time. I'm just asking for the deal. He said, no, obviously we all know why 850 is a good deal. Yeah. Um, so I, so we'll see what he says. Ready? And then, and then we'll maybe, maybe we'll get an SG. Okay. Another one. Another one. <laughs> yeah. a, all right. What do you guys got left? Any cool questions before we, we go? There's still 800 people watching. We've kind of pushed this almost yeah. to the two hour territory, but that's cool. Cause it's the, yeah, it's a Saturday. So, um, Somebody asked, uh, Speedway Audio 3 says, your thoughts on Legator guitars? I tried a couple at the NAMM show. They were cool, but that's my only experience, you know, and that's not really an experience of all, you know, just touching, touching a guitar and being like, cool. <laughs> but <laughs> Bud says the guy who we're throwing the offers to is watch right now. That would actually be funny. He's like, no, no. He's yeah. like, it's too cheap. Don't yeah. raise that price. Up. Yeah, he responds back. <laughs> now it's 900 He's like, I know you. You paid 250 for an EQ pedal. <laughs> <laughs> will you take, will you take, uh, yeah, will you take 700 and a Mesa Boogie <laughs> EQ pedal? Wouldn't that be cool? Um, Okay, so I, I'm waiting for his response. I told him, yes, 850 is legit. Jin uh, Guy asked you, why do you own five red guitars? Why do I own five red guitars? Because he doesn't own five green guitars right now. That's the only thing interesting about that question is the, why the question isn't, why is there five red guitars right there? <laughs> no one, he didn't even ask me. Yeah. No one's asked me. It's because I'm working on a video for something. Um, uh, so why own five red guitars? I actually don't, uh, or maybe I do. Okay, so obviously there's my Dana Scoop, whatever, back there. That's the guitar I have forever. Mm -hmm. My Eddie Van Halen Wolfgang, that is, uh, technically that's my son's. I bought it for my son. Uh, my son is very lucky, even though he doesn't think he is. <laughs> no, he does. He knows he's lucky. He's lucky because, you know, he, uh, he met Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Yeah, me and Ralph and my wife and my son uh, got to uh, meet Eddie Van Halen. And Frank. And Frank, actually, a couple of our friends, and and my friend, uh, my <laughs> wife's friend Margaret, and her son. So, so you know, um, Eddie Van Halen, the brand, when they were uh, new, uh, had some issues in the state of Arizona. A bunch of the dealers got upset with it, the Eddie Van Halen brand and stopped being dealers. And as sometimes uh, happens, we became the only dealer for Eddie Van Halen product. Okay, in the area, our rep told me, hey, do you want to meet Eddie Van Halen at this private meet and greet? And it was literally a private meet yep. and greet. Like you were just hanging out, shook his hand, talking to him. And um, and Eddie Van uh, so anyways, the funny story was the rep was given like eight passes. Each store was only supposed to get two. Yeah, each store was supposed to get two passes. He had eight to give out. However, all the dealers opted out of being dealers and so he had eight pay passes and only one dealer. And he goes, well, I guess you get all eight. Well, so, it, it steamrolled because I got one. Right. Then Frank's like, hey, can I get one? So we had to go back, talk again. Yep. And he's like, I, I'm only supposed to give two to a store. Yes. And uh, then 
The Ampeg rap got one. So the the story is that we all went. Yep. And there's actually here's why it's funny. We were all wearing uh, the badges, and then the two buyers for Musician's Friend were furious that we got eight passes. They were standing in front of us, right? Yeah, because we broke into groups. So yeah, kind of space out. Yeah, so and we... so it was anyway. So what happened was because of this, when we got there, we all were like, "I'm going to get them to sign my pick guard. I'm going <laughs> to get them to sign this." And when we got there, we got in the room and we're hanging out. Uh, and they had like you know appetizers and stuff. They said, "Hey, just so you know, Eddie Van Halen it will not sign any autographs." And we're like, "Oh." And he goes, but he hired a photographer to take pictures with yep. everyone. And then this is what they did. Eddie took a picture with every single one of us, like a cool picture with us. And then they like framed it and yep. put it in this swag bag, which was really cool for me because my wife and a couple of people that, that went didn't care. So they gave me their swag bags, <laughs> um, which we had like his custom picks in it. And like, remember stickers and yeah, it was the stickers, the and, picks, and some other cool trinkets and stuff. And so the reason why this story is cool is my son got to meet Eddie Van Halen at the official Wolfgang launch uh, private event. And so um, uh, when the Eddie Van Halen Stripe series guitar came out, the uh, the strat looking one, the Charvel uh, one, the CVH. I told my son, I go, I'll get you one. And he said, no, he likes the Wolfgang because to him, that's the guitar now, right? So I got him the Wolfgang. The reason it's out is because it's been in a case um, because I'm having uh, I'm having two custom uh, glass cases put in the front room, our family room to put guitars in that have special uh glass that the the uv won't cut through okay um so i don't want the guitars to get bleached out so there you go uh and oh william allison said so eddie was not a jerk uh that's nice to hear a positive story so you know he was so not a jerk um he was like my son when he was he like got down on his knee remember and he's like yeah. shook my son's hand and he thanked him for coming it was like the it was surreal the only thing that was funny was Eddie's bouncer, her bodyguard, <laughs> all told every single person in line, because we all had to make a little line, because there was probably, what, 40 or 50 of us? Yeah. Okay. It told us, do not squeeze Eddie Van Halen's hand. Like, when you he, when he go to shake like his he, hand, do not squeeze it. Like, this is, sw swear, this is why the story's funny. They're like, he was, the guy was stern. He's like, yeah. do not. And they told everybody. Everyone. Like, they don't care, right? They were like, do not squeeze Eddie Van Halen's hand. And then when you went to shake Eddie's hand, he crushed your hand. Yeah, you like, like a like this it's like just kung fu grip going on. <laughs> and all of us were like, "Did we just get punked by Eddie Van yeah. Halen? Like, what was that?" Um, and um, no, he was cool. In fact, he was so so great. I'm going to tell you a controversial story. It's not controversial, but it's PG-13. Our buddy Frank, when he met Eddie Van Halen, yeah. he said he he because Frank's kind of fun. <laughs> he's from Chicago. He's from Chicago. Yeah, he's Italian from Chicago. He's Italian from Chicago. And Frank, when he meets Eddie, he says, Hey, thanks for the fact that I didn't get laid all through high school because I was trying to learn eruption. Yeah. And Eddie Van Halen didn't miss a beat, goes, Yeah, but you got laid as soon as you learned it. <laughs> None of that probably yeah. was true, but they said those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that did happen. Those, yeah. that but, was, but he was very personally. He talked, you know, he took a, you know, just a little bit of time to talk to each person. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he took it right. He took time. He made sure yeah. to talk to every single person. Um, and so, you know, this is the uh, part of the, uh, the important part of the story. Um, I had actually mentioned EVH when they gave me all the passes that, you know, I said, look, I, I said, I don't want to take my son 
because uh, we had seen Eddie Van Halen a year or two before at an event. It was the year before. And, and it was like a 300-person event, and it wasn't that great. It was the Frankenstrat reveal. The Frankenstrat reveal. And um, the EVH guys promised me, like, no, he's sobered up. He's changed. He's really clean. It's a great. And they were right. He was yeah. a totally different person. That yeah, Right. It was a year before. It was in a year. Yeah. Um, he was still late, but I think he was only about 10, 15 minutes late this time. Yeah, he was late. But it, um, Keith just did a huge super chat for 50 bucks, man. You are – you're. Thank you, Keith. That I appreciate that. They uh, now I'm gonna definitely have to buy Ralph a beer. Yeah. So and uh, oh, the guy responded back. Okay, ready? He can meet anytime until six three thirty. That doesn't work. He's free tomorrow. All right. So I think I think we're getting an SG. We'll let you guys know how it works <laughs> out. Would you guys like me to film it? You know what? I always feel weird about doing that, but uh, I don't think the guy will mind, right? So yeah, we'll we'll film it. Maybe it'll be a fun video. The the SG, uh, what do you call that? Sh uh, shenanigans. Go buy an SG. <laughs> That's all shenanigans. All right, we're gonna do one more question, and then we're gonna go buy an SG, and then we will promise. I'll promise to let you know what happens with it. Um, okay. All right. What's the last question? And make sure we didn't miss any of the the other ones too. Okay, we didn't miss any, so we got one last question. Ralph, you're the guest. You pick the question. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> as soon as you say that, then yeah, you, like no questions. No questions. Yeah. Oh, Bruce says don't film the guy if he doesn't want. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we won't. We're, we're, we're. Okay, so here it is. Habs gave us a question. All right, Ralph, here, read the last question. Phil, Ralph, have you guys looked at the 2018 Epiphone Studio LTLP, specifically the Indonesian ones? Samic. Okay. Uh, I do like Epiphones. So here's what I will tell you, Hobbs 247. Habs? Habs 247. Here is where I stand officially. I have, as you guys know, this Les Paul that's very heavy. It is sounds and plays amazing. It is an amazing guitar. It is just a boat anchor of a guitar. And so I uh, got an SG, which I love. And I also, which you guys may have noticed in the SG video, uh, Les Paul in the background, that is not there anymore. I was telling Ralph about it. I bought an SG, or sorry, I bought a Les Paul. It was $2,075. This is what we were talking about earlier in the show. I bought a guitar used for $2,075. And when I got it, it was not in great shape. The guy <laughs> did not describe it very well. It was, it, it happens. So the guy was very nice, uh, like Reverb, very nice. He he's, uh, took a full refund. And Reverb, so you guys know, offered and paid to return ship it for me. So even though the only issue is I just didn't want it because I just didn't feel that it was described as exactly as it, as it should be. Um, but it wasn't deceptive. It was just like, you know, the guy was a little nicer with the description than I think he should have been. So anyways, to, to answer your story, Hobbs, what I have decided is now that I have this SG that I like, and now I have a Les Paul I like, I, I really just want to light uh, a Les Paul that plays great. And I've decided to buy an Epiphone. So there will be a video soon because I plan to go and buy an Epiphone, but not buy an Epiphone for a video to say, hey, look, can you buy an Epiphone? I, I, literally, I literally just want an Epiphone. And then I plan to put some some Gibson pickups, as I've stated, stated before, I like Gibson pickups. And I'm going to do that because I'm, here's why. Not because Epiphone's better than Gibson, not because Gibson's a better than Epiphone, because I'm sick of the fact that I keep buying Les Pauls 
based on the availability of them. Does it make sense? Yeah. Like, okay. So when I walk into my stores around town, when I walk in, when I go places, there's 50 Epiphones to pick from. So I know I can find a great one, but there's three less Pauls on the top row that I can't touch or I have to order online. So I've decided that I'm just going to find myself a nice Epiphone Les Paul, have a nice Epiphone Les Paul, have a nice Gibson Les Paul. You know what I mean? And have one of each because there's things I like about both. And that's so. So to answer your thing, the uh, Epiphone Studio LT, LPs, uh, Les Pauls, um, the Indonesian ones, uh, you know, uh, have I looked at them? No, but I will be. Um, but honestly, I was kind of looking at maybe the, the model above that one. But I will, because you you were so gracious to, to, to Super Chat today and also ask a great question, I promise to take a look at that one in the video so at least that gets a shot in the in the thing. And then uh, Kenneth, just want to say a great show. What a great way to end it, Kenneth. And, Thank you for uh, watching, Kenneth and, and everybody I, else. Yes, and I promise to upload the video of the SG and how that works out because uh, it'll be exciting. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out. 844 of us 44. on a Saturday. Uh, it was a two-hour show today. I, I appreciate yep. that. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Yeah, and thank, uh, thank, I want to thank Ralph for, yeah. for hanging out. Uh, you guys seem to like it. I, I like, obviously, he actually hangs out almost <laughs> every Saturday with me. Uh, so we probably should do yeah. it more often. So uh, we'll do that. And as always, I want to thank everybody for their time. And uh, uh, Thank you, guys. See you later. Yeah, and yeah, you got to say know your gear. Know your gear.